Good morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to our service this morning. It's good to see you all here. Just a few notices before we begin. Hopefully you'll have received the new sheet for this month, either on email or picked it up at the front. Just a few things that are happening. Please remember this afternoon we have our holiday club service, which is an invitation to all those who were at holiday club with their families to come along this afternoon, 3.30 till 4.30. But also an invitation to all of you and to anyone who didn't go to holiday club but wants to sort of see what kind of thing we did and also get to know the families, meet a few people, chat to them. If you did come to Holiday Club, maybe you want to bring some friends with you this afternoon. 3.30 till 4.30, followed by donuts. Yes, I know, it's very exciting, isn't it? And other refreshments, coffee, tea, juice, biscuits. Um, please come to that if you can. Also this week, house groups restarts 8 o'clock, Paula and John's house. If you haven't been to house group before, try it this term. We're all very welcoming. Um, and finally, well not finally, there's lots of things happening, please do read it. But final notice, on Sunday the 25th of September, it's Tegan's dedication. You may notice in the news sheet that it says Sunday the 25th of October. <laughs> That's clearly wrong. And Tegan's name is also clearly spelt wrong. Who does this thing? <laughs> yes, it's me. So I do apologise, Tegan, Sean, Mark, everyone. Um, Sunday the 25th of September, Tegan, with one E, will be dedicated, we'll be having a celebration here and then afterwards everyone is invited to go to the Cottenham Club for refreshments. Please sign up on the sheet on the board in the coffee lounge if you're able to go because Sean needs to know for catering. Hope everything's clear. Do look at other things that are happening coming up in October as well, harvest service of the brownies guys, rainbows, very exciting. Full church meeting, please do have a look at all of that. I'd also this morning like to welcome Jules with little baby James Lincoln. <laughs> at least I presume he's there, otherwise, oh there he is, hello. And also, also John and John Mark, welcome here as a family for the first time. Um, we are so very pleased that he is finally here. Please do go and chat to Jules, John, John Mark, James. Might be able to talk, you don't know. There's been many miracles there. Talking could be another one. Right, anyone else got any notices this morning? Have I missed anything, got anything wrong? Wonderful. Okay. It's been the first week back at school. How's it gone? Thumbs up? Oh, a few th a bit shaky hands. Any thumbs down? Oh. Well, I was thinking, you know, it's very difficult going back into something new. Everyone has to do it. 
some of us get excited about it, some of us get nervous, some of us have a mixture of both. In fact, most people have a mixture of both. But I was wondering, you know, you're probably thinking about the summer, maybe your holidays, things you did, places you went around the world. And I thought, you know, we're back to normal, back to routine, but where would you really want to be this morning if you could be anywhere? We've got the whole world here. Where would you really want to be this morning? Anywhere in the world you could be. Anyone? Oh, I'm going to pass you the ball if you're going to answer. Being aware that we have a two-week-old child in the church. No issues there, then. Where would you like to be? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. You, you don't have to point it out if you don't know where it is, by the way. Vancouver. Australia, oh yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, back, oh, okay. Oh, that'd be nice too. Wales. Is that where you went on holiday? Wonderful. Edinburgh, oh, did you go there? Oh, dang, oh, do you see? It's, it's just a, it's a magnet, isn't it? Little child, small child. Don't get worried, Jules, John, we're fine. Where do you like to be? Oh, nice. Oh, no, oh, danger. We're all right. We're all right. It's a bouncy ball. There's a two-week-old child. We're fine. Where would you like to be? In Australia. There's a lot of people in Australia. Yes. Good throw there. Oh, oh no! Then we go and hit the man who's over 90. We're all right, we're all right. I've knew you were right. Oh! Oh, oh no! Not again. David saved the day. Would you want to pass it to me? Anyone? I'm nervous. Norway! Oh! Oh! Japan! Oops, finding it. America. Oh, oh, I'm, oh, Paul is nervous. New Zealand. To me. To me. That's what I used to do in deep field in rounders. To me. Oh, no, I'll just do a handstand because no one's passing me. Oh, the India. Oh, lots of places people would like to be. How's people's heartbeat now? It's all right. Child survived. And Ivan, are you Okay. Oh no, are you alright? You're alright. Yes. Oh! It's just you were staring at me. I got a bit worried. Okay. Lots of places in the world that we'd like to be. Lots of places we could go. But do you know what? We're here. Anyone want to be here this morning? Oh, Paula. Oh, you people. That's nice. Do you know what it says in the Bible? Everywhere we go, could be the most beautiful place in the world, could be somewhere that we've never even noticed any beauty in, but it declares God's glory. It says here, the heavens tell about the glory of God, the skies announce what his hands have made. Each new day tells more of the story and each night reveals more and more about God's power. You cannot hear them say anything 
They don't make any sound we can hear, but their message goes throughout the world. Their teaching reaches to the end of the earth. Look around. See the glory that God has made. It's in this room, in each other. God has made each one of us, and they declare how wonderful he is. We're going to stand and sing a wonderful hymn together this morning, All Creatures of Our God and King. I hope we can sing in big, loud voices to fill this massive space. So let's stand together. Now, there are a couple of people here in church this morning who will be travelling to, I wouldn't say different parts of the world, but different parts of the country. Um, soon, I'd like to invite up Alia and Lydia, if they would come up, please. They'll be going to university very shortly. Well, one of them very, very shortly, and the other not so very shortly, but shortly, shortly. Oh, I don't know what I'm saying, Alia. <laughs> Alia and Lydia, you're going to university. Could you just tell us where you're going and what you'll be doing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to Manchester and I'm going to be doing medicine for the next five years. <laughs> um, I'm going to Durham and I'm doing natural sciences for the next four years. Oh! Are you excited? For sure. Are you got that excited stroke nervous? I think everyone has that, don't they? And when are you going? Uh, next Saturday. Did you just say that? You didn't know? No, I don't think so. <laughs> next, Saturday. next Saturday. How exciting. Have you got everything ready? No. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Don't worry. Be all right. I'll get there by Saturday. I'll be fine. Be fine. Be fine on the day. And when are you going, Lydia? Um, 2nd of October. So you're around for a so bit. Three weeks. <laughs> Have you got everything ready? Not really. Oh, sound a bit more ready than... <laughs> it's a bit worrying, isn't it? Maybe you should just get together and work that out. Wonderful. So, please do pray for these wonderful two people as they go away to different places. And no doubt, come back and tell us all about it. Shall we pray for you now? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for new opportunities which Ali and Lydia will have. We thank you for the places that they're going to, the things they'll be studying. And also thank you, Lord, that the things you will open their eyes to. We ask, Lord, that you go ahead of them, prepare the place you have for them. We pray that they'd find good friends, good support, and people who can surround them and care for them while they're away. And we ask, Lord, that by the time that they go, they will be prepared and ready, and they will know you close to them. We ask for your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you do some kind of round of applause or something? Brilliant. Okay. It's now time for the children and young people to go to their groups. Um, And for everyone else to say hello to each other.
not as chatty as last week. Everyone's really chatty last week. Oh, no whispering. <gasps> it's like being in a doctor's surgery. Well, I hope not, actually. Um, we're beginning a series on... Well, we're looking through the book of John, but we're beginning a series on the people that Jesus saw and the people that Jesus cared for and the way in which Jesus helped with a view to seeing how we should act, how, what, who we should see, who we should care for, how we should help people as the disciples of Jesus. We're starting at the beginning of the book of John, because that's a good place to start, and it gives us a sort of view of what John, the book of John is all about. I'd like to invite Miranda up to read John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The world became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. Do you know, I used to imagine that my words held a little bit of weight, that what I said people might listen to, and if they weren't interested, they would at least patiently listen. But then I had children, and I realised that actually my words don't really hold any weight. In fact, no one really cares what I say. In fact, no one really listens to what I say. And you can often hear me wandering around our house, muttering, no one listens to me around here. I don't know why I speak. No one's bothered. No one cares. Before I go back into the room and raise my voice, to which it might be heard, but infrequently. Which is a little bit disheartening when our words are one of the main ways in which we choose to communicate. And even though a huge percentage of our actual communication is non-verbal, we see words, what we say, as hugely important. That's what we focus on. That's what we think about. They're used to encourage people. We use our words to encourage people. We use our words to inform people of things. I'm using my words now to tell you things. We use our words to challenge people. We use our words to bring change and to bring order, as well as many other things. 
We spend a huge amount of time using words to make a difference. They're seen as vital in our interaction as we go around and meet people. Because our words are, in effect, an extension of who we are. What we speak, what we say, comes from within us and often reveals what is within us when we are pushed and when we are stressed and when we are struggling. And you know, in the time of Jesus, when uh, John was writing, there was really no difference. Words were also very important, especially when thinking about God, because the Jews, the people of God, believed that it was by God's words that things happened. The very existence of the world, for instance, was brought into being by the word of God. At the beginning of the book of Genesis, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke and creation began. What happened at the beginning of creation was a response to the words of God himself. God said, and life came into being. So for the Jews, as for us, words held great power. Which is why at the beginning of the Gospel of John, when John starts his wonderful message of Jesus by referring to the word, in the beginning was the word, there's a whole depth of meaning that John's tapping into and trying to convey to people. He understands that when the Jewish people hear this, they'll have all sorts of images about what words are meant for and all sorts of knowledge about what this means about God. He is, of course, referring to the word as a creative power, that which brought into being all that we know and see. He knows the Jews would have been very familiar with the book of Genesis, and so when he says, in the beginning was the word, there would be an immediate link with God creating the world. He's aware that they would instantly be drawn to the creative power of God. In Psalm 33, it says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. For the Jews, the word of God brought light out of darkness. And from that light came the creation of the world. But for them, the word was also much more than this. Because the word of God was not only seen as the creative power at the beginning of time, a God who spoke, created, and then sat back. He was also seen, the word was also seen as the eternal word. Creating and recreating and always fulfilling its purpose in the world. In the book of Isaiah, God speaks of the word like this, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You see, the word of God was seen as the creative power of God, a wonderful, life-giving force which 
began the world and was active in the world. And so here, when John begins his message, the Jews latched onto it very quickly and thought, oh yes, we know what you're talking about, we know what you're saying. They understood the word of God. And they often personalise the word of God by calling it wisdom. Wisdom speaks. But here John goes a step further as he seeks to better define the word, as he seeks to open up the Jewish understanding because he said, the word was with God. Or if you like, the word was not just a creative power used by God to bring the world into existence, something that was an extension of himself Instead, the word was intimately close to God. The word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And even more than that, the word was God. You see, what John is trying to say is, it was not just a set of phrases that kicked off creation. It was not just the wisdom that accomplished God's work. It was a being, not a created being, not someone God chose to create who would then create the world, but a divine being. The word was always there, always present, always alive with God. In fact, the word was God. And it was through him that all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. You see, the world that we know was not just a project that God called into being with a few words that he spoke. The world and everyone in it was not just a temporary place for God to experiment with. It was a place lovingly created by God himself, by the word. Out of darkness, he brought light. Out of his divinity, he called forward all that we see and experience and live amongst. It was not something to be disposed of later when humans had had their fill of the world and done what they would. It was a place that was created by God, a sacred place, created by the word, and therefore a place that, just like us, is redeemable, a place that will one day be brought to perfection. In other words, a place worth fighting for, a place worth looking after, a place worth keeping and regenerating. I wonder whether we see the world like this, as a place created by God himself out of his divinity. I wonder if we treat our planet as redeemable, just like human beings are, as a place that will one day be brought to the perfection which God intended. Or I wonder whether, actually, in our hearts, we really see it as sort of disposable. Don't worry, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, so this one doesn't really matter. I wonder whether we think of all that we see as sacred, to be looked after, to be respected, to be sacrificed for. Or I wonder whether to us the world doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of a relationship with God. Whether we just see it as individuals in a relationship rather than God having a relationship with our world. I want to spend a little bit of time just reflecting on the world, on the way we treat it, on 
how we see our world. I've got a number of pictures, images that I saw in a newspaper, I think it was The Guardian, a few months ago from Syria. You may have seen them too. And they look at places, what they were like before the war began and now what those places are like after destruction has taken place. There's only a few of them and they're all from Syria. But maybe as we reflect on them and look at them, we can think of other places in our world that have gone from good to bad. Places that we might have written off as irredeemable, but which God still cares about. We're going to spend a bit of time, there'll be some music, and look at the images, and just think about how we think about the world, how we see the world, how we treat the world today. And then we'll pray together. Of course, John's introduction to this gospel is not just to show us that the word was God, that the word created and brought life and continues to create, that the world is the work of his hands. The main point of the introduction of the gospel of John was to show that the word, that which was intimately close to God, that which shared the divinity of God, that which was God, then became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or if you like, the, beginning, the purpose of the beginning of the Gospel of John was to show that the God who created all that we see and experience, the one who spoke into being the world, the one who brought light out of darkness, became one of us, born into that which he had created, born as a man. The word became flesh, a flesh known then as Jesus Christ. Because, you see, God was not content to challenge the darkness of the world from outside creation by proclaiming, let there be light, and creating something wonderful. Instead, he saw the need to enter creation and challenge the darkness from within. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, John says. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God came to make his dwelling among us. Not because he wanted to condemn all that we do wrong and destroy everything and start again, but because he wanted to draw alongside us, to enter our world and walk with us out of darkness, to redeem us, and to redeem all that he had created. It's very hard to try and understand what it meant for God, who created all we see and don't see, to then enter that which he created. I want to show you a clip of DVD, which doesn't explain it at all, and doesn't come close to it, but sort of might give us a little idea. It's called Famous, Rich and in the Slums. Take a look at this. Do you know, we can know a lot about different people and different situations and different problems. We have enough media coverage today to see and to hear and to try and understand about other people. But it's not until we actually enter a situation that we really experience what it's like to live as people, different people live. It's not until we make the sacrifice of drawing alongside someone and living with them that we really see and understand what people are going through. And you know, when God created the world, when the word made all things, he did it 
from outside of creation, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and God spoke into the darkness. He didn't create from within the darkness, he created from outside. A wonderful world in which he could be active and present. But it was only when the Word became flesh, when Jesus Christ was born as a human being, that God began to experience what it was like to live within the world that he had created. And of course he didn't come for a short time with all the backups that he would need to get him out of there if things got difficult. He came for good, for the lifespan of a human being. He came to live and to die and to resurrect what he created. He came, if you like, to really draw alongside us, to be one of us. He was born as a human being, to see, to care and to bring light into the darkness, so that all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, his home here on earth which I think is amazing because sometimes we get into the mindset that God only cares about the world as much as we do. You know, sometimes we get into the mindset that God's only bothered just like we are. Whereas, actually, God cares far more about the world in which we live and the people who we live alongside than we ever will because he lived it himself. He saw. He cared. And he acted. He was committed 100% to our world. And that's the commitment he calls us to be as well. I'm very aware that the beginning of the book of John is a very deep and rich part of the Bible. And I've not done it justice at all. But I wanted to start a few thoughts. That's all I'm doing here. And for you to reread the beginning of the book of John and to really ask God to show you what it means for the word to become flesh, what it means for you, what it means for me, what it means for how we interact with other people and with the world. I'm sorry that what I've said is such poor quality compared to the Bible, but I hope that it sparked a few thoughts. We're going to sing our final hymn this morning. We're going to take up our offering, which I forgot earlier. Oh, and you forgot too. So that's all right. We'll go and get the bags. Um, And as we sing, let's ask God to continue to speak to us as we leave here this morning. Let's stand to sing, Love Incarnate, Love Divine.